0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible-teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg.
1: For the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the Word of the Lord. I wonder what that was like. Certainly, the word of the God, a word of God, spoke to him, and I assume that God was continuing to speak to Samuel. Don't you want that relationship with the Lord? Has, he, has, has talking to him, as praying, become like a ceiling of brass for you? Do you feel like God's not listening? I can tell you this: He is listening. But let your heart be raptured with Him again.
0: How amazing is your love? Our scripture today says, The Lord appeared again in Shiloh. When did the Lord first appear in Shiloh? We know he appeared to Samuel in 1 Samuel 3, verse 10. Now, in some undescribed way, the Lord appeared again. It says that the Lord revealed himself in his word. As born-again Christians, God also reveals himself to us in the word of God. By continually reading and studying the Bible, God's word, he will reveal himself in a clear and concise way. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message.
1: Who experience knows this very well what he has done and what he has not done and there are always consequences for disobedience. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 it says do not be deceived, excuse me, God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows that he will also reap. When you're a farmer, if you plant corn in the field, you expect corn in the harvest. If you plant raspberry seeds or you're going you're expecting to get raspberries or strawberries. That's what you expect. But when you're what you plant is disobedience and rebellion, the only thing that's going to come up from that crop is ugly stuff. It's going to be corruption. There's no way you can get something good out of something bad. Only God can redeem, of course, but what we do is so important. What we do is so important. And do you have a son or daughter that's living in sin, living in disobedience? Talk with them. Talk with them. Love them enough to speak the hard things to them. Discipline them if you have to. Take away their phone. They're going to hate you for it, and they'll even tell you that. I hate you. You ever had a a son or daughter tell you that they hate you? Because they've been so angry, you've taken away their prized possession, and for some reason the phone seems to do it. Talk with them, love them, speak to them, do everything you can to help them. If you do not, your heart will eventually and perhaps many times be pierced through. Be pierced through with sorrows if you do nothing like Eli did. What does it say in Proverbs chapter 10 verse one? It says, "A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother." I've been a grief to my mother, and I'm so glad that now she sees me completely different. And so do your parents if they're still alive. As a Christian, maybe they don't understand, maybe they don't know the Lord, but there's something different about you now than you used to be. I don't like the way I used to be. That old old person of Rob Kellogg died when I was 26 years old. Good riddance. I'm glad he died. He needed to die. He was a filthy animal. (laughs) He needed to die. And God has replaced my heart. With his, and I am so blessed. What does it say? And also in Proverbs it says, thirteen, verse one: A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Sounds like Eli, and sounds like his sons. Notice he did not restrain them. Notice it wasn't that he could not. Notice this: It's not that he could not; it's that he did not. It's an act of the will. It's a volitional act. Just like marriage, everything is volitional. You have to work at it. It just doesn't go on autopilot. You've got to work at everything. Anything that's of value in this life, you've got to work for it. You've got to work hard at it. You can't just cruise and get on autopilot. You have to be thoughtful. You have to be purposeful. You have to be deliberate in everything you do. For the things that are important to you folks, listen, be deliberate. If you love somebody, if you love your kids, if you love your wife, if you love your job, whatever it is, if you love your church, if you love the people in the church, show it now. Be deliberate in your expression of it. That's what makes us so wonderful as a body of believers. Unlike anything else in the world, nobody does that. But we're the only people as diverse as we are. We can do that. It doesn't matter what background you have. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor or somewhere in between. None of that stuff matters. But we are all under the umbrella of Jesus Christ. He is the unifier. He is the one who unifies us. And we can have dinner together in this place. We can't right now because we're under this restraint. But we used to have dinner together or lunch together out here. And I can't wait for that. Boy, that's a missing part of our fellowship that I'm looking forward to doing again. Looking forward to that, but it's so important. But notice, it wasn't that he could not, it's that he did not. It's an act of the will. And therefore, he says, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for or sacrifice for... I'm sorry, excuse me. The iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Are you hearing that? God is saying, they've gone so far. They've gone across the Rubicon. They've crossed over and now... They are wanted individuals. I don't know where that line is, but when you cross that line, and they did, then there are consequences, even judgment at times. These men sinned a sin unto death. Remember in First John when he says, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. Do you know the difference? I mean, we know that all sin ultimately leads to death, right? The wages of sin is death. That's what it says in Romans 6.23. But there are certain sins that may not lead to death immediately but there are other sins that do if you're a promiscuous fellow and you're have many partners your sin unto death may be you contract something that is deadly if you're a needle user if you're a drug user that could be a sin leading to death because all it takes is one hot shot and you're done there's a guy on my street who did lost his 21 year old son a few years ago and he talked to his son the night before and the very next day he was in a morgue because he was a heroin addict and his father did everything he could, broke his heart. He did everything. He spent a lot of money taking him to get the best, the very best treatment. He did everything. I mean, this guy was telling me about this, and I'm just like, I'm floored listening to this. He did everything for him. But it was a sin unto death. And that the, the, the young man didn't know. He was just going to get high like any other time. He didn't know that that... Whatever shot he was going to take was laced with something a little bit different, and it killed him. It was a sin unto death. We need to always pray and intercede for people and things until the Lord causes us not to. I don't know of a time when the Lord has really told me not to pray anymore, but he did that with Jeremiah. When Jeremiah, when God was prophesying through Jeremiah and giving him prophecy, telling him to go to Israel, go to Judah and Jerusalem, tell them that because of their sins, Nebuchadnezzar is coming because of their sins. And he lays them out there in the first couple chapters of Jeremiah, and they didn't repent. They continued in their sin, right? And there came a point in Jeremiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 16, that Jeremiah was going to pray for the people of Israel. And God tells him, therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. What? God, you're telling me not to pray? He's like, yes. For you and I, we, most of the time we will never have to experience that. But there is a, is a point. When we cross that Rubicon at some point, and God says, you know what? They've gone too far. They've gone too far. Judgment is coming, and it's not going to stop. That's what happened with Jerusalem. There came a point. They had crossed the line. Don't ever get into that place, folks. That's why it's so, so serious that we take these things serious. We take sin serious. I fear in the church today that we're, we're getting really comfortable, and we're, we're, we're thinking that God is condoning something. And he's not condoning it. Believe me, anything that you're doing that you know is wrong, you need to turn from. Especially habitual things. You must turn away. Because if you do not, you are going to be in deep trouble. Your relationship with God is going to be affected you know, incredibly. If you're born again at all. If you're born again, you, you may be going to heaven. But like Paul said, you're going to get there by the skin of your teeth. If so, by fire because there's going to be no good works of yours that are going to last. Everything is going to be burnt up, and you're going to be standing there naked before God with nothing. But praise God you made it if you're born again. But if you're not born again and you're doing these things, boy, you've got to turn quickly. Never play games with the Lord. For Samuel lay down until morning, verse 15, and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Can you imagine? I would be too. He's already heard. The man of God already told him. Now he wants me to summarize it and give it to him again. Oh, Lord, you know I love this man. Think of Eli. Put yourself in his place. That would be horrible to do. And so Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here am I. What a wonderful young man. Here I am. <laughs> I, almost, I almost can hear the voice, just the tender, sweet voice innocent voice. Here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please don't hide it from me. God do so more to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. And Samuel told him everything and he hid nothing from them. And notice the resignation now of Eli said, "It it is the Lord. It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. There seems to be this resignation within Eli. He knew it was coming. It was just a matter of time. Have you ever felt that way? Where you know you're doing something, and sorry, I know this is kind of a tough topic tonight, but have you ever been doing something and you know it's wrong, and you're just waiting for the hammer to drop? You're just waiting. Any day, you're like, Lord, how can I be getting away with this? I remember as a young man thinking, and I would just, and then after a while, I would kind of get emboldened in it. I'm like, well, I didn't get caught today. I didn't get caught last week, and the year before, I didn't get caught. I don't think I'm going to get caught. I forget that God has given me that long rope. He's let out all the spool on the, on the reel, right? He's got the bait at the other end. He's... And he doesn't, even put, he doesn't even rack it in yet. He just lets me run with it. He lets me run with it run with it and run with it for a year, two years, three years. But notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Where are you going to go when you willfully sinned against God? Can he forgive you? He can. But here's the deal. This is a serious thing. This is a willful act. And that's what these guys were doing. But he says, when there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Is that what Eli was basically thinking? Yes, this is exactly what he was thinking. He said, it is the Lord. <laughs> finally, I've been busted. It finally caught up with me. I confess. I did it. So Samuel grew, notice verse 19, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And I want to show you something really quick here, and, and, and just watch this. Turn with me just to verse 4 of this chapter. I want you to I'm, going to, I'm going to chronicle, I'm going to lay out for you in order the words that Samuel said in this chapter, the only words that he said in this chapter, these are the only words that Samuel said in this chapter. In verse 4 and 5, he says, Here I am, here I am, for you called me. Look at verse 6. What is the word of Samuel? Here I am, for you called me. Look at verse 8. Here I am, for you did call me. Verse 10. Speak, your servant hears. And then in verse 16, here I am. Do you get the, do you get the idea? He's available. <laughs> Here I am, Lord. God would have loved for Eli to have been that way. But Samuel, well, there he was. Notice that these are words of someone who submitted to the Lord. Notice in verse 20, And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. I love that. The Lord established him. It reminds me of David when it says that David was the sweet psalmist of Israel. He was a man after God's own heart, even in spite of the failings that God knew would come in his life. But there's a difference with David. David wasn't one of these guys, we believe, who had some kind of habitual sin. He was the devil set him up. It was the perfect storm. The perfect storm occurred. And let me tell you, there are perfect storms in your life And I don't want to scare you here, but this is why you ought to pray. Because I know that my life there have been perfect storms. Where the devil had been waiting years to set me up to a certain thing. And I find myself in it and the trap is just about to spring. And the Lord allows me to escape. And I look and I'm like, if I would have thought any different, if I would have done anything different, oh, everything would have been so much different. Believe me, there's perfect storms for you. You've already gone through some of them. Perhaps you have yet to go through some of them. But the thing is, you need to pray. Say, Lord, I don't want a perfect storm. Whatever the devil is doing in my life, whatever he is trying to accomplish, whatever he's trying to accomplish in your life, Lord, thwart that attempt. Whatever he's trying to do in our country, Lord, thwart that attempt. Whatever he is doing, Lord, frustrate every effort that he's doing. Start praying like that because you need to. You need to pray. But the Lord established Samuel as a prophet. And then the Lord, notice, then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh because he wasn't there for a long time. No vision, no prophetic utterance at all. It was just going through the motions, going through the motions. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. I wonder what that was like. Certainly, the word of the God, a word of God, spoke to him, and I assume that God was continuing to speak to Samuel. Don't you want that relationship with the Lord? Has, he, has, has, has talking to him, as praying, become like a ceiling of brass for you? Do you feel like God's not listening? I can tell you this: He is listening. But let your heart be raptured with Him again. And how do you do that? Put a smile on the heart of God by believing him, by loving him, by being obedient to him. You know, there's nothing that makes my mother happier than when I was obedient to her. When I loved her and I obeyed her, I show my love by my obedience. I prove it. I prove my love to those I love by doing And it's okay. We should. There has to be action. There's that phrase, talk is cheap, but actions speak louder than words. Actions. And guys, for us, that means in our marriages. I got fingers pointing right back at me as I point finger at you. I got three pointing back at me. Work at it. Work at it. Read the Word of God and obey it. And deal with those areas in your life right now so that God doesn't have to send somebody to you because you're not listening. That's really what this chapter is about. Do you see it? Eli wasn't listening, he has to send somebody else to speak. He still wasn't listening. So then he sends another young man, Samuel. He has to send Samuel. Have you ever been rebuked by an unbeliever? <laughs> Have you ever been out in public and, or somewhere, and you, you got an unsafe friend, and you say or do something, and they're like, you know, that's the last thing I thought a Christian would say? And you're like, <laughs> me too. <laughs> has that ever happened to you? There's nothing worse than that. Nothing worse. But, you know, take things seriously. Again, be, be deliberate in everything you do. Be deliberate. Be purposeful with your relationship with the Lord. He loves you. Do you know it? Everybody smile. You know what? His love for you is so great. I just love the fact that he loves me and he loves you. The Bible says, with an everlasting love. You know, the Bible also says that judgment is God's strange work. And he's already taken judgment out on his son for our sin. So he doesn't need to chasten. He doesn't need to punish us in the sense of judging us for our sin. He's already done that to his son. He's taken the ultimate punishment for us. Now he just chastens us when we go astray. And chastening is with always with the idea of instruction behind it. It's not just dad getting out the whip and laying, laying me out with it. No, it's not about that. It's, it's instructional. And I love that. That's why whenever we disciplined our daughter as she was growing up, I would tell her why. Honey, do you understand why? Do you understand why we put the cones up at the end of the driveway and as you were driving your big wheel and you wanted to blast through those things, guess what? There's cars coming by there and they're not thinking. They're looking at their phone. They're looking, you know, putting lipstick on their mirror. You know, They're doing all kinds of things and they're zooming right by. They wouldn't see you. You're... That's why. Because I love you. I love you so much I don't want anything to happen to you. That's why I have to do those things. That's why we have to be chastened. You know, the chastening of the Lord is the best because he does it in such a wonderful, loving, caring way. So unlike maybe some parents that you have who weren't really walking. Maybe they didn't even know the Lord. But God is not that way. He loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And I really hope that tonight, as you go home and as you're on your way, think about the goodness of God and how good he is. He's so wonderful. And one day we're going to stand before him in in a light that is unapproachable, in a new body that no longer has fits and problems, no sin. We're going to stand before him. and Can you imagine just the the pure worship that can come out of a heart, out of Thanksgiving, knowing very well what you deserve, and yet here you are standing among the redeemed. Man, I tell you, that's enough to just get your worship going. But he loves you, folks. Never forget God's love for you. He'll never give up on you, no matter how desperate things are, no matter how far you have slunk, no matter how whatever place that you find yourself in, you are never too far gone for God. He will always come after you. Until the day you take your last breath, He's going to be coming after you because of the great love that He has. Isn't that wonderful? That is such good news. Let's stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this uh, this reminder tonight, Lord. And, um, Lord, help us to be, Lord, not children that aren't listening, but listening with our eyes and our ears wide open, Lord. Have your way with us, Lord, and, and just love us, Lord. Love us so much that we would just be so willing to give up anything and everything for you, no matter what it is, God. And you only take away the things that aren't good, to only to give us the best things. Lord, I've experienced that in my own life. There is nothing that I've ever had to give up that you haven't replaced with something so much better. I'm so thankful for that, Lord. Bless my brothers and sisters tonight, Lord. Get them home safely. Encourage them tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel.